0: Hey Rufus, do you know who hey, this episode is brought to you by?
1: Uh I think I can guess. Who is it? Splash Sports.
0: How are you doing in our pod in our contest? I don't know how to ask you because we covered that later. Uh, I'm trailing. But it's you. been well, just barely. Um, I think it's been an interesting thing to be involved with, and I'm excited about this ongoing sponsorship because I think the evolution of sort of office pool type games um on and a person or a platform like splash sports which is built by the group that owns run your pool and office football pool they're changing office pools forever so i think the attention that survivors gotten with the circus stuff and the attention that sort of like all these different like i was actually on the a call the other day and and a guy like mentioned he goes oh i know you're into the sports money stuff i won my pick and pool again and he was like just tell, like there is going to be an interesting hope, sort of evolution hopefully of pick and pools because I do think this, it's a pretty fun thing to do. And we're going to be doing these like one and done golf. I'm excited for the golf one. I'm excited for the NFL one we're going to do. So hopefully you guys will go check out the Splash Sports app. It's in the iOS and Android store today. Uh, click on the link in our show notes and you can check out what we're doing or what it is at SplashSports.com. So with that, let's start the process.
2: Bet, bet. Bet the process. Bet, bet. Bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not the typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for pics, you're in the wrong place. Find a town with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of massy Peabody rankings, crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage sports gambling is pathetic.
0: The Welcome is to another episode, a very special holiday episode of the Bet the Process podcast. Um, where Rufus is I assume you're in Maine are you in maine? i I am in
1: Maine. There's What's no snow on in maine?
0: It's not a it's, white it's, Christmas
1: no, it's I mean, I think the first Christmas we did up here was five years ago and it was beautiful and snowy, and we haven't had snow really since then. so unfortunately what is the it's it's like it's I mean it's actually warm enough that Tom and I can get up there and like throw the frisbee um with just like hoodies on so it's it's it does not feel like me in the winter
0: pretty on brand for you to play frisbee the two of you guys i feel like seems very east coast elitist of you prep school-esque
1: well, it's, you know it's the ironic activity. thing
0: is i'm the one that went to prep school and has the elitist background from an well, education time went to boarding
1: school too i'm the only one that didn't i'm, I'm the, Which one did I'm he the go public to? school kid you went to episcopal high school
0: Hmm. Got it. A couple questions on holiday. What What is the Peabody, uh, like holiday tradition? What's like the thing that you think is the most fun thing that you guys do?
1: What's the most fun thing? Well, this year and last year, my sister and her husband arrived on Christmas Day because they spent Christmas Eve and Christmas morning with her husband's family, and so we actually have celebrated christmas on december 26th on boxing day the last two years so what we do is we do stockings um and it's sort of a secret santa so each person does the stocking for somebody else and we've kind of toned down the actual present giving but that's kind of that's our tradition and i think we we have a really really nice christmas dinner and i don't know i mean we spend a lot of time together in this like little living room. Um, it's, it's a, we're, we're in this old 1890s farmhouse of very small rooms, but it's, uh, it's very cozy. What about you? What are, what are the Christmas um, traditions for you, Jeff? And when, when did you stop having like the Christmas traditions of your family growing up and create traditions yourself with your, you know, with, with your wife and kids?
0: I think for me, it's really, it's just this, evolution because, you know, I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old now, and you know, we just moved back into our home, which we hope will be our home forever. And ultimately like this, you know, this whole um process of establishing new traditions, it, you know, that my in-laws and family came up and we celebrated here. We do a lot of fun things. Like I do a lot of cooking during the, the holidays. Like I made on uh, Friday, let's see, on Christmas Eve made like sort of an Italian theme thing uh, and then Saturday did steaks and things like that. But what's interesting, obviously since we're a sports betting podcast and analytics, like thinking about the role that sports plays in your holidays, like Thanksgiving has always been like the big day to watch football with my sister and her family, because both of my nephews are really into football and uh, my sister is really into the Patriots. So it's just been like uh, interesting, and I think did you watch any of the NFL games on Saturday or on Christmas?
1: Yeah, I, I did. I I watched the San Francisco Baltimore game. Um, I didn't watch any of the Eagles Giants game. And I watched a good amount, most of the second half of the Raiders Chiefs game.
0: Yeah, I thought the games were pretty interesting. I mean, for a standpoint of where you had, really, what looked like they were going to be lopsided games um they didn't end up being lopsided obviously I mean the only one that ended up being lopsided probably was the one that well actually they were kind of all lopsided and not really okay so so the Chiefs game I thought was fascinating because did it did it make you believe that the Chiefs are not going to win the Super Bowl
1: I mean I didn't really believe they were going to win the Super Bowl but I I don't know it's what it's the Chiefs are so odd because it feels like no matter how good they are during the regular season, um they have Mahomes and somehow can figure things out and can beat a team that's more talented just like they did last last year in the Super Bowl. It
0: sort of made me well, I guess it was interesting because it turned on obviously two big, you know, turnovers kind of situation, right? It wasn't like a it wasn't like the Raiders dominated that game, although the Raiders defense did play incredibly well in that game where the chiefs really, Offense looked kind of like a shell of its former self.
1: Well, and the, and the um, Raiders' defense has played well. I mean, the last three games, like they they had that game that was almost zero to zero against the Vikings. They lost three nothing, and then you know they they ran all over the the Chargers. They had, I think, multiple defensive touchdowns there, and and the Chargers scored their touchdowns like they got twenty one points in like the fourth quarter or end of third quarter, fourth quarter when the game was a huge blowout. So, the Raiders' defense has been playing playing really well.
0: So can we can we talk a little bit about then the reaction of um, what your numbers say now? Because I mean, going into the if you were just purely narrative based, right, you would have said going into last week that the Niners were the odds-on favorite, right, to win everything. The yeah. Ravens were probably number two, second dish, just being. But like, you know, like I listen to Simmons's podcast, and he and Sal were like looking at the futures numbers. And they were like, why haven't they flip-flopped? Meaning like, why aren't the Ravens now two to one? And the and I don't think they w- understand how futures work and what goes into them. But, you know, obviously they're expecting the futures to react to what happened in that Ravens game. Meaning like, it- like those two people should flip flip-flop, meaning the Ravens should be the odds on favorite now and the Niners should not be. But like fundamentally from a macro standpoint, very little changed because of that game meaning like the Niners are still likely to be the number one seed with the bye and the Ravens are you know going to be the same situation having to go through a bunch of decent teams on the AFC side and on the and then even on the NFC side you would say arguably that the Cowboys and the 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 Eagles look worse in both of their games than um, they were going into the week and so if you if you believe, I guess, that the Niners loss to the Ravens was indicative of Brock Purdy not really being that good a quarterback and the Niners really not being that good a team, then yeah, maybe you say, Oh, well, we gotta adjust these. But from but if you say, hey, you throw that out as like an outlier game, four turnovers, maybe Brock wasn't totally healthy. That's some of the some of the some of the narrative around it right now. But what do, what do your numbers actually say?
1: Well, and first off, all those turnovers. I mean, there was there was the pick six where he was hit when he was th- where when he threw and the ball went right to the defender. There were tip balls, right? Like there were, you know, it, it wasn't like these were all bad throws. Um, the turnover. Well, I, I mean, the, the turnover the in the one, end the zone first interception the was the bad. Yeah. that was bad. That was all
0: pretty. It, it, it was bad. It was, it was a bad decision. I think it was careless. But if you if you think about that moment, football's weird, right? Like, what would happen if they score a touchdown there? right and basically get to play downhill the rest of the game not and so it's it's that's when they're the Niners I think if you're a Niners futures holder the thing that worries you is them turning the ball over early in a game and not being able to play downhill because we have not seen them and there's just some crazy numbers about Shanahan they they don't come back I mean they're not they're obviously not in many situations to come back because they're ahead a lot but they haven't been able to come back historically, and so that—that's what worries you, I think. So, sorry, go back yeah. to your numbers and tell us okay. a little bit about what your numbers actually say. Put some—put well, some facts on these narratives.
1: Jeff, I concur with what you said that it really doesn't change much in terms of the playoff picture, really for for either team. Baltimore was kind of in the driver's seat. Well, they actually get a bump, I think, with with some of the AFC teams losing, Kansas City, for example. But but San Francisco drops their power rating drops by like about three quarters of a point. And I have the Ravens power rating increasing by about nine tenths of a point or so. And so I still have the Niners as the best. That's team actually significant
0: though. It's pretty That's significant. Actually significant.
1: significant though, think, of, yeah. think
0: about, think about
1: the the 49ers went into the game. I th- I don't know if it closed five and a half or six, but they were five and a half for six points. Six, it, closed,
0: it, closed it closed six and it a half. It closed six
1: and a half. Okay. So yeah. you give two points for home field advantage, roughly maybe a little bit more. Um, and, it had, you know, you have the teams being basically four to four and a half points apart. And now, I mean, I have the teams less than a point apart, but I do think it, I think the Niners have a, have a easier path to the Super Bowl at this point, just in the NFC, they've, they're still really very much in control of that number one seed. And like, I mean, I have them as plus 106 to win, to win their conference. And right now that's right around what the market is. I mean, if you look it's you can get plus one hundred or minus one ten basically. That's kind of painted across the board for for Niners conference futures, where I have the Ravens at plus one thirty two though, and that's kind of a little bit different from the market where the market is two to one plus one eighty. And I think part of that is going to be the fact that people are giving a lot of respect to the Chiefs still, just because of Patrick Mahomes. And same with the Bills. And the Bills are Bills are a, a very good team. Um, I don't think I think neither of those teams are clearly as good as, as the Ravens and I think my Gap is just much larger um than most but that that still is a more difficult I mean I'd, I'd rather go through Philadelphia or Dallas than than Buffalo or, or Kansas City really I still don't buy Detroit being a top team like mm-hmm. I have them as a 2.1 points above an average team that's what the, what they have in the Massey Peabody ratings um but to your point like I see. I, I have Buffalo is um, let me actually sort this so I can give you the order of the teams, but I have Buffalo as the fourth best team in football. And actually, I forgot about Miami. Miami is the real scary team. Um, so you have San Francisco with plus 10.4, Baltimore plus 9.7, then Miami 7.7, Buffalo 7.2, Dallas 6.2, and then Chiefs 4.9, Eagles 4.1. So it, it's the AFC at the top seems stronger. And
0: then again, I think this is counter this is counter to conventional wisdom, right? I think people would think that the their top three teams in the league for a while were in the A in the NFC, like the Niners, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. But maybe I'm maybe I'm misreading what common wisdom would be because I have no common wisdom myself.
1: Well, the Eagles, I mean the Eagles um, have been interesting because I've said that that my numbers probably undervalue them just because of the Tush push. And, and their remarkable ability to convert those short yardage situations. And that's still true, but their rating is his fault or falled. It's fallen over the last few weeks, a little bit. And it, it's in their defense, especially his, has really dropped off. I mean, they've given up a lot of points to teams. You don't expect them to, I mean, the giants actually put up some offense.
0: Yeah. They, I mean, they put up the offense when, when, it Tommy DeVito went recently. out and, well, and, and ta- Tyrod was a, totally garbage a time, much right? better quarterback than
1: Tommy DeVito. I mean, I'd take basically every backup in the league over Tommy DeVito, but <laughs> there was certainly a narrative there. What,
0: what do you think about this MVP? I know you don't really bet these kind of awards, but oh yeah, The reaction what's interesting to the about it was the reaction, right? Ultimately, you know, like uh, Brock was the favorite going into last week. And all of a sudden now he's plus 860 and Lamar's minus 173. When I think going into the week, Lamar was like five to one. Like how, how can a market like this move so much in a week? Like it's, it's, is, is it just because it's like so thinly traded realistically at this point And because there's the overrounds are so big or like, why is it? Why this reaction seems almost crazy to me.
1: Well I think it's recency bias for sure. And we still have two more weeks. Right. Left but where in the does season. where
0: does where does the if it's if, if we have recency, if we have bias in any market, theoretically we have inefficiency and theoretically but, there's a place to get edge and value. So is there a place to get edge and value here? But like do you just uh, you keep know, uh, do you just I keep think, betting some like do you bet Dak right now at plus three hundred? Sorry, at plus three thousand does he have a path at thirty. To we have one? to
1: remember it's a narrative award. It's it's about a story. Yeah, but, it's about a story of a top team and the best player on that team or at least the most valuable player on that team and how responsible they are for the team's success which is generally the quarterback and so the story with purdy i mean was initially in early in the season that it wasn't purdy it was the system blah 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 and but his numbers were so good but then this kind of this game essentially validates that old theory that it's not purdy it's Shanahan it's the playmakers it's that whole you know that whole system and so how does he recover from that is the question because you know that game alone like yeah a, a zero touchdown four interception game is really hurts his his stats but like he's still if you look at like the metrics he's still been the best quarterback in football this season so and, and Lamar Jackson is not in that conversation but it's what he did on a big stage with everybody watching. And so the question is how much of the voters gonna actually look at that. And I don't, I don't know the answer. I, mean, I'm I looking... tend to think that these moves, I mean, I was going to say that, that I, I tend to think that move was a larger than what's efficient, but you could also argue that towards the end of the season, especially that there's probably value in a player. That's like a prohibitive favorite Um like a minus two sixty or something like that because at that point they basically have it locked up and I don't know if you saw that there was somebody that had bet they had bet Purdy before the season at a hundred to one odds betting two thousand to win two hundred thousand and they actually sold the ticket on a prop swap I think for hundred and thirty thousand dollars before this game so so they they made out pretty well
0: yeah I'm looking at this the numbers on Chris and they didn't have Jalen Hurts on here. I don't know why he's not listed. That seems weird. I mean Jalen Hurts? I guess is is he completely out of it at this point? And like, you know, you you look at these numbers and like, who would you would you bet on it? Who would you bet on right now if all the odds were even? If you could just I mean like, who do you think is gonna win the MVP?
1: I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't have thought Lamar Jackson just given the numbers, but I mean his his rushing stats have been good as always. And how much do you weight that? I don't know, Jeff. I really don't. I, I think at this point, though, I think the last two weeks could make a big difference, in and how these teams do the last two weeks, especially. And who
0: who who votes for this? The writers is that who votes who votes for the MVP? Is it the players? Or the who is it? You no, know? in
1: baseball, it's the writers. I assume it's the writers, media, something like
0: that. Who votes for the NFL MVP? The AP has presented awards since the award is voted by a panel of 50 sports writers at the end of the regular season. That's the AP NFL most valuable player. Is that what we're, is that what we're doing? Probably. There's football writers of America. Uh, NFL has held the annual, which recognizes the winner of the, it's the Associated Press MVP award. So it's a panel of 50 sports writers at the end of the regular season before the playoffs. The, the, voting, the, the voting the
1: voting happens before the playoffs. Yeah, that's good because I that's feel like in baseball says. the voting happens later, and you're not you're not supposed to take into account the postseason, but it's kind of hard not to.
0: Let's put our heads into the bodies. No, let's put our brains into the brains. Something of of these fifty sports writers, and at this point, it doesn't really seem like there's a prohibitive favorite, right? I mean, like Lamar Jackson at minus 173 would tell you that he's the prohibitive favorite, but like you said, the numbers and is there any, I don't know. I just, I think there's probably a lot of real psychological bias that goes into this voting.
1: For sure. For sure. That
0: is that is how, probably how much... not stuff that I feel comfortable talking about on this podcast, to be honest.
1: Yeah. I mean, how, how much is this game still
0: in the voter's mind in three weeks? if Brock does like eight touchdowns and zero interceptions in the last four games and ends up with prohibitively better numbers than Lamar Jackson with a team that wins the, that, you know, a team that gets the first round by in the NFC and some of his games against the best competition, certainly like Dallas and Philadelphia have been, have been amazing. Right. So yeah. I I would have thought Dak was going
1: to be the Dak was the guy of Purdy slipped, but then the Cowboys have lost two straight.
0: Yes, let's say so, somehow that Dak plays great the last two games and for whatever they come reason back and win the division. The, yeah, they come back and win the division. Although the Eagles have such a safe route, but you would have said that they weren't gonna lose. I mean, they almost lost to the Giants. Dallas really, is like it was
1: plus 350 or so.
0: To win the NFC win the East division East at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Nice.
1: I don't know. I mean, um, there's people that make a living on these awards and and they I mean maybe they they dissect these things. Um, that's not me, not you, clearly.
0: No, I mean it is again. Like man. we're pro, we're process driven. We've never we've never dived into something of this sort. Um, have you been following your splash sports competition in the bull Pick em?
1: Uh I, I, looked yes, I looked this morning. The answer should be yes, Rufus. I looked this morning. How are you
0: doing? What's your record?
1: I don't know. Um, I'm you in the this top morning, half. But
0: you don't know what your record. Are. Well, it doesn't say no, what's what your place record. I'm in. Yes, it does.
1: I can't find that. Go to
0: go to my entries, and then it'll say what number you're at. It's like tied. I, one of my entries is tied for 437. The other one is tied for 889. I'm 14 and seven and 13 and eight. But I sadly lost. I lost my. I've lost, lost my uh, my special game. Yeah, that's it's crazy to lose your special game. I don't know. Like this pool's been interesting because. I haven't been in like a pick and pool in a long time like this. And the simplicity is awesome. I would love there to be, you, you need to like with a the pool, there needs to be a lot of more social interaction, meaning like I want to watch the games with people who are in this pool with me, or I want some like notification of that. So maybe I'll, I'll start. What, what's your record? Do you know?
1: I still can't find my Where record. I see up. a little graph. I see a graphic that shows me. That are shows... you in the
0: app? Are you in the app? No, I'm
1: on, I'm on desktop.
0: Okay, you gotta download the app, Rufus. Okay, well You're I can splash I can go, Click my entry. I can go to the app.
1: I'm, I'm on the website, Jeff. Um, I can Ruf, see. Okay, Rufus, and the early they games probably
0: have a better experience on the app. I'm sure they, than do. they do on the website. That, that's, my how, phone, that's my phone. My phone is on the other side of the room, Jeff. When that's that's I'm recording how, that's the podcast. That's how development works. It is All true. Right, well, this is this has been a horrible um, <laughs> thing for our sponsors, but let's just tell you the app is slick. And it tells you where to go. So go to SplashSports.com if you want to download the app and have like an awesome, you know, gaming experience, which is the app slick. Okay. Jeff, so, I've, lost, I've lost seven picks. So you're like- Including my star pick
1: for the warmups. My star pick
0: was San Jose State. And, and
1: I lost so. one pick in the holiday slate. So I'm-
0: It's funny because I think I'd be doing okay if losses. I had if I had just won my won my regular pick because I think the best teams are only like two games ahead of me. Okay, uh, lots of time we're going to do a little year and review session here, and so reviewing the year of two thousand twenty three, three broad categories: personal podcast and betting. Would love to talk through all three of those with you. I think betting will start with. One of the things I've noticed from afar being a friend of yours and hearing what you're doing is two thousand and twenty three I think really marked a mixed shift in you in in what you bet on and where you find edges. I mean, I don't I think it's the first year that you probably weren't a tremendously big both NFL or college football better to some degree. And you know, you were probably more of a golf and college basketball better. And what you bet in sports tended to be much more around derivatives and secondary markets in those sports than, than the primary markets. Has that been a difficult thing for you to sort of like come to terms with or like, and and it does seem like you're still like dipping your toe in that. I think for us as like mainstream, like somewhat mainstream sports betting analysts, we have to like talk about the very liquid markets, but those aren't markets that you would consider yourself even to be an expert in anymore. Right.
1: Right. So. Jeff I think broadly broadly speaking you're correct for NFL the only betting I've been doing really is derivative type markets teasers first halves um quarters things like that and and not very big for those for for college football we're still betting sides and totals but our size isn't huge relative to other sports and you're we have focused a lot more on on golf and college basketball and scaling those. I think that's kind of that that's been probably the biggest. I don't know. I'd say the biggest change has been the ability to scale and and sort of have good relationships and really branch out in terms of different avenues to to get down. And so we've really done well in that area. It's it's been interesting because it's been my best financial year ever betting, but. On the modeling side, I feel kind of further away from where I want to be than I was a year ago. That makes sense? Like, like our college basketball has been amazing.
0: Well, it's been my best financial year overall for betting. No, no, and, no I'm uh, talking about on the modeling side. Which side do you feel like you want to do more on the modeling side? Golf and college basketball. I think there's a lot of improvements to make in college
1: basketball still. And golf, it seems like every three or four years, I kind of redesign my code and I don't want to say start afresh, but, but make improvements and kind of, um, both in the model and generally in the, in the infrastructure.
0: Are you concerned at all about this sort of like golf future for you in terms of like the PGA and the lib and everything like that?
1: Uh, well, if golf becomes less popular, then there's less of a market. So yes, that's, that's not good. I'm not super concerned about live necessarily though just because there's there's going to be golf being played and people will be betting on it so for me though jeff golf it was it was our biggest volume golf year ever as i said we we scaled well but it it was my lowest roi on golf ever i think we returned 2.7 percent which i'd I'd never had a year before um below four four and a half percent in the past and so that that isn't good. Um, that's not something I'm happy about. I think we've had, I think we had some bad variance in terms of outrights and stuff like that. But at the same time, the edges we're betting are smaller too. Markets are more efficient. And so that's that's a little bit depressing for lack of a better word. But the other thing is, I just have not felt as motivated this year as I have in past years. And that's both for, for the betting stuff and for like building with the unabated stuff too. I mean, basically, motivated in terms of the modeling in general so that's kind of something that i, I don't know I, I hope that trend doesn't continue because i i feel like i haven't been as productive as i would have liked to have been and i kind of need to get back into that zone like almost to prove to myself that i can but
0: well, at the same like, time a, it's I'm like a... i don't
1: know where i'm moving like part of it is like well where am i moving towards professionally like what do i want to be doing in five years all those questions are or you know, come up.
0: Well, I mean, we, this is nothing new, right? I mean, this is something we've talked about quite a bit. And I think ultimately let's go back to this idea of the golf edges, like the future of sports betting for people like yourself. And if you follow, you know, a lot of the people that are real professionals, meaning like the people that need to get a lot of money down and into, you know, relatively what are efficient markets that become more and more efficient, right? Like we, you just said golf is becoming more efficient and you're gonna like work hard to try to find more edges. I think you'll probably try to find, you know, there's like, again, like if I'm characterizing your evolution as professionally right now, there's a few things that you're doing. One, you're trying to find more ways to get money down and therefore getting more edge because you can get more money into different markets that allow for inefficiencies. So that's one area. So like you can basically try to find better pricing. That's a way to find better edge. Then there's like the origination piece, which is trying to get better at originating, right? Which is, you can start with and say like, oh, we, the, the obviously the, the most obvious place to start there is to try to find data that nobody else has or to find like an information asymmetry that no one else has. That's like where you start, right, ultimately. And then then it's, well, have that data and start to analyze that data in a way no one else does. And I think that's where you spend a fair amount of your time looking for, you know, having hypotheses of things where there's edges, doing a bunch of work to test it and and go through it. In golf, which is obviously the place that you're probably the the resident expert, how are you going to go through that process? Are you going to look for new data or is that like a dead end for you? No, I, I have been going through that
1: process. And I, I would say I've been integrating new data over the last few years in, in a way. But what I'd like to do is kind of rather than just adding things on to uh infrastructure that already existed i'd like to design the the a better infrastructure around this that makes sense like sometimes you you have you have some model built and new things come along and you sort of add them in a way sort of an ad hoc way a way that that works it's not the but it's not the way you would design it if you had if you had that data to begin with and so I think I've gotten myself into that situation a little. And that's basically what why I sort of redesign things every three to four years because of new data and new things in the process that I'm using and, and trying to do it in a more intelligent, logical way. But I, I agree with what you're saying, Jeff. And I don't I mean, I, I have good data I use that, you know, is not readily available, but it's not like I'm creating the data myself. So it's not unique data that nobody else has. And so the value needs to come from the way I analyze it. And luckily for me, I think that is that's where most of my edge over the years has come from in general. And so I do have some a plan of attack I kind of want to um, implement, but it's a pretty big project I want to undertake and, I was hoping to do it during December, but I haven't really had the time to. And so, that's—I I don't know when I'm going to get the time. That's the problem.
0: So, going into then, then this next year, let's talk about the year forward. Like, what are some resolutions you have then to find the time or to do this? And like, what's your process going to be going forward? It, it sounds like, yeah, hopeless. Like you're almost saying, like I don't have the time. No, I, I'm I, not I gonna think find the time.
1: I think this is next year is kind of a prove myself year in a way. I can't expect to keep doing the thing, doing things the way I have been and, and have changes occur. Right. I think in your life, and and this kind of goes in the personal life too. Um, if I need, I need more structure, I need more plan, I need more accountability to myself. And so I think my resolutions are both on a personal and professional level and they kind of, they kind of go together, but I want to every morning, wake up and have a plan of attack for the day that i that i knew before i went to bed the night before because i think sometimes there's certain days when i don't necessarily have a plan of attack and there's and and the work i'm doing probably isn't the most it might be the most urgent but it's not the most important and i think oftentimes without a plan i i end up spending time on things that probably don't matter that much in the scheme of things like searching for edges on quarterbacks or something like that, right. It is not going to help me build something long-term that I want. Like that's not the best use of my time, but sometimes I'll do that because, you know, I don't know. That's what I feel like doing. And so I'm going to be more structured and I want to have accountability there. I want to have goals for each day. And, and I want to log whether I met those goals and I kind of want to extend that like to my, my personal life too. So I want to, I want to cut, down my alcohol consumption, cut down my meat consumption. I want to track those things and give, which, cause I think if you track those things um, it really does force some accountability for me. Like I'm, I think you know this about me, Jeff, like I, I'm not a day drinker. I don't like, I, I don't, I never drink at home, but when you live in New York city and you have a pretty active social life, like, you know, you end up drinking more than I would say I would like, you know, in terms of like my health, and so I'm interested to see what that'll do to my productivity as well. So And and then also I want to track my workouts as well because I want to actually try to, you know, I, I've gotten the habit of of working out like five days a week now at the gym, but I, I want to track to see if I'm getting stronger and give myself some accountability there as well because, you know, you can go to the gym and just kind of maintain to do the same thing, the same number of reps, and you're not actually really doing that much. You're maintaining, you're not gaining. And so I, I want to give myself some accountability there. And I was talking to my brother about this as well. And we we want to maybe have some sort of bet so that we actually have some downside, because you know, otherwise you're tracking something it doesn't look good you stop tracking it
0: right. I mean it's it's a fascinating conversation. Are you you're familiar obviously with like Stephen Stephen Wolfram and the Quantified Self and they're just a whole. This is a movement probably I don't know ten years ago that was was very popular around, around just measuring a lot of stuff around your your daily habits and your you know, understanding more about it. Um, I think the challenge with it is it's hard to track these things. Like it takes time and effort and and there's the breakage, meaning like the first time that you don't track these things, it just causes you to stop doing it. I mean, I think it's a great idea ultimately to start measuring. I mean, we're, we're data-driven people. So you measure what matters, you measure things about yourself. But again, the problem with a lot of these things, and, and this translates a lot into the business world, Where people use things like OKRs, which are are something that's um, John Doerr, who was the key partner at Kleiner, but he kind of helped set this up at Google for a long time. And that stands for objectives and key results. And ultimately, it's like what you do as a business to sort of like help understand how you're doing as a business. But it generally doesn't work that well for businesses because they're not good at actually measuring these things and they're not good at actually picking the right measures that matter. Like his book is called um, measure what matters or something like that. And, you know, it's, it's, I think the problem with these things that is, is ideal in, in, in an idealistic world, in a perfect world, they would be awesome. But the, in the practical world, which they're hard to track, hard to create accountability. And then even just picking the right measures, you know, like you, you have to start somewhere, right? So measuring as you're doing is probably the right thing, right? Like in, in again, yeah. like if you go back to this idea of what you do in business and even what you do in my world in technology, you create instrumentation, meaning like you start to measure the actual, like what happens on the website, what happens in a, in an app, like who's opening it, how often they're opening, you just create all the ways to measure it. Then, and then after time you get enough data that you're able to start analyzing it and correlating it with things. But to do that to as a data. human, we're in this
1: data creation,
0: right? I mean, cause we talked so... about this
1: for sports betting and stuff like that. Like if you can create data, that's unique, that's a big advantage. But I think personally trying to track too many things is more difficult. And I think for me, I need to, I, I want to track few. Well, you just li- like that...
0: literally listed like 80 things that you were going to track. So, I mean, uh, I think things. you, you need to like hold yourself.
1: Do I have a, did I have a plan for the next day? How many drinks did I have? What was my meat consumption and did I work out?
0: What is, what is flesh. meat consumption measured in? I, I don't ounces. know that that's, I don't know. Binary? Actually, I haven't thought about that. What is, is what's what's defined as meat? What's is chicken meat is fish meat. Yeah, what's what's meat. what's meat tofu. Is that meat?
1: No, unless it has, But meat why would you it.
0: delineate between like a lean, a lean, a lean meat? Like what is the, I mean, like here, here's my well, issue. I, I mean, I think that, this is,
1: eating meat is broadly speaking not particularly healthy in general for you and for the planet but i care more about me <laughs>
0: yeah i don't know yeah. i was like talking to someone that i is smart and very very liberal and was talking about the idea of like meat consumption and the impact on the environment and he was like dude it's like yeah you can go through that narrative but like the the other stuff we do is you know, he was basically just saying it's not, it's not nearly as big a deal as people think it is in, compared no, to like I mean, look, the other things we do in life. Jeff, like the the goal of this is to invest in my health
1: more. And and this year I kind of really went down that road a little bit. I, I got one of these executive physicals. I really got a baseline for where my health was. I used to be much more, more active, I guess, um, in shape, like, I mean we all were that way growing up right we played all the sports and everything like that but and I started I started developing some good habits again going to the gym and and so I kind of want to extend that to to other things cuz to drinking to nutrition et cetera. and it's not like I eat particularly unhealthily but I eat out a lot and so that's not that's not, I mean I'm probably consuming way more sodium than than I should but I think for me all these goals are in that direction of being healthier.
0: Yeah. I guess I'm just wondering, like, cause I'm pretty bearish on your, your success in this, in this well, resolution. I, I to see be a honest. bet coming then like this, no, no, this, no, no, I, this but is I what don't, I need, but, but
1: I need, I need accountability. I need downside to, to force myself to do this.
0: Do you though? I mean, I think so. Isn't, isn't intrinsic motivation kind of like the ultimate and what, what drives us? Like, I mean, I think yeah. having a, I don't need to be your, I don't need to be your babysitter and trying to get you to do these things. Like, I think it's interesting to think about what I, what I would say is not that you need, I think you need a better. So this is, this is like, this is the the big brother and me talking to you right now. Like this is, let me, let me just say this, your plan right now. Okay. Has lacks the detail and the actual execution around it. It, it Those are still
1: being developed. And I will develop okay, those well, let's, before I'll the check, plan let's, starts.
0: Let's do a new segment each week where we check in on how this is going and what you're doing. And again, this is not uh, bet the results. This is not bet the results podcast. This is bet the process podcast. So I, I think we can maybe create a segment on the podcast where we review these things.
1: I don't, I don't necessarily want the world to to see this, but I want, I need to have some accountability. Well, What's better myself.
0: accountability than that?
1: It's true, but. I was gonna say that we, we, you, you mentioned intrinsic motivation being the best motivator, but think about school growing up. Like I studied because I wanted to get good grades because I knew, well, and by study, I mean, you know, I did homework for one class while I was in the other class, but I knew that I needed to get good grades to get into a good college. That was kind of like the next thing, right? And then and I got to college and I was like, okay, now I can learn just for learning. And so I went into college being like, okay, I can just intrinsically be intrinsically motivated. My first semester, I got like a 3.1 or something like that. I had like three Bs and a B plus, and it didn't work for me very well. And so I, I think that grades are good. They help you. They or At least they were good for me, right? Having this sort of external um, measuring stick the scoreboard is important just like it is for sports betting. I think you learn by having that. And so you can want to do something intrinsically, but you still need a scoreboard, a measuring stick, a way to some accountability.
0: Yeah. It makes, I think it's interesting. It's like the carrot and the stick analogy, right? Like what are, what are you like? What gets you going? The carrot or stick. And it seems like you are a somewhat of a stick person more than a carrot person. And well, I'll it's let hard you to give you. Me it's, one it's, I'll, I'll put it this way:
1: it's hard to give yourself, it's hard to give yourself a carrot for something like this. Whereas it's easy to find a stick. It's easy to find someone who will, who will say, who, who will happily receive money if you don't meet your goals, with with no downside themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So
0: I, I think what? it just
1: it's pra- it's a practical consideration. I mean, Tom and I during COVID had a had a bet where we each had to do a hundred ups a day. And if one of us didn't, we had to pay the other person, I think a hundred dollars. And so that's, I guess that's a stick too, but the other person messes up, you get the carrot.
0: No, but it's a, you, it's you're a, not a carrot person. You don't care. You don't care about that money. It's not paying that money. Right. Anyways, you want, you want to ask me one question about things where we're, we, we, I think got into some interesting stuff there, but I'm happy to yeah. answer one question well, about either the past or the future and then we can let these guys go off with their new years
1: well jeff i want i want like will you give us a year in review for you sort of personally and professionally um both in terms of it can be sports betting related or other professional stuff because i know it's kind of been a bit of a transition year for you both
0: yeah no i mean house, i think, it's, I think with
1: it's your career
0: yeah no it's it's been an interesting year i probably for the first year long in my life and, and and i had a year before like this where i did a lot of consulting i did consulting and wasn't really as focused on a day job definitely dabbled more into the you know like one the podcast was a big priority trying to get that sort of monetized and sponsored understanding like what the relationship that i wanted sports betting to have in my life and kind of evolving with that as as time went on And um then just trying to figure out what I want to do next professionally. And I I have figured that out. I don't want to like talk too much about it because there's probably gonna be like somewhat of an official announcement at some point. Um, but it's 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 fun and it's cool. It's something I'm super excited about. It's something that I'm gonna really focus on in the year to come. And then from a from a sports betting standpoint, it's definitely something that, you know, I don't think I have a desire to really be a professional sports better like you are. Like I think that we've always talked about how you are, you know, constantly finding these edges and that's like your thing and that's your shtick. And I, you know, I'm not that way. And like, I even said it on the the risk of ruin podcast the idea that like, you know, that constant search and, and John reader like quoted it for edges is exhausting. And so I think for me, like having done the blackjack thing which was easy to find edges, meaning there was just one big edge to find. And then there was other, and it was so proven and so stable. I think juxtaposing that with sports betting, which is not stable, um, but probably obviously there's this much more exploration that can happen to find edges. It's just something that I think they're so different in many ways that like my background and foundation in sports betting, I'm sorry, in, 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 uh, in blackjack probably isn't great for sports betting mentally because it's such a different thing and a different animal. And so, yeah, for me, like there's definitely going to be, you know, I think, I think the Podcast will still be an area that I want to continue to, to, to explore, but even just the podcast itself, like, I think we've talked and we've had guests on this year that have certainly been like not sports betting related. And I think both of us have a desire to do more of that. I think we, we both want to have the, the podcast be something that can help, you know, make a little bit of money for us rather than continue to pay. So like we're, we're into creating these sponsorship opportunities but going forward, yeah, it's not an, er- it's an area where I think that I would love to be a host and less of a daily expert on sports betting. Maybe I never even was one, but um, generally speaking, you know, like, and I'll continue to do things like the Kornheiser show, which has been fun, but yeah, it's definitely been an evolution and trying to understand like, you know, family is super important to me. Like I think my four-year-old and six-year-old James and Charlie are the things that I care about a lot. And just like the whole idea of raising kids is such an important thing. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I've had a very interesting year and I'm excited about the year to come.
1: That's great. And on the, on the topic of accountability, I thought it was interesting this year. I think our kind of our best stretch of podcast was probably when we were, um, getting reviewed by that Twitter account because it kind of gave us, at least for me, I felt like it gave me some accountability in a measuring stick, which motivates me.
0: I think the challenge with that was, again, like, what is the object? what's the objective function that you're, you know, being measured on? And ultimately, like, I think that they were good in some ways, but also not great in some ways, because we don't want to be the best sports betting podcast. We've never wanted to be right. We just want to be a great podcast that produces interesting content and could eventually evolve into a mainstream podcast, not from a standpoint of talking about mainstream sports topics, but actually talking about topics that are nuanced and interesting to people outside. Like, I love it when people tell me that they listen to the podcast and they don't bet on sports. It like is one of the things that I I enjoy the most. And so anyways, well, Roof, I mean, let's, let's, uh, let's sign off for a great 2023. Appreciate your friendship and, and, uh, wish you the best of new year's.
1: Likewise, Jeff, and congrats on, on the new gig and being back in your house and you know all the development through the personally and professionally in the last year that that you've you've had
0: thanks roof We'll talk to you guys all next week. We're going to have Kevin Cole on, hopefully. And uh, happy New
2: Year. As I
0: mentioned, this episode was brought to you by Splash Sports. You must be 21 years of age or older in Massachusetts, Iowa, Arizona, and Louisiana. 19 years of age or older in Alabama, or 18 years of age or older in other states to enter into a paid Fantasy
2: contest. Yeah, Sam huh? rapping rapin rockers. Jeff Ma Rufus Peabody. Crunchin' all the numbers. messy Peabody rankers. We'll 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 are looking for the edge. Analytically driven. Crunchin' all the numbers.